This podcast covers sensitive topics. Content warnings can be found in the description. Also, we talk about TV shows, so consider this your spoiler warning. Procedural generation. And welcome to Procedural Veneration, an untrue crime podcast where we talk about, rate, and goof on all the crime procedurals you've watched way too many times. As always, I'm your co-host, Daphne. And I'm your co-host, Hank. Using our highly scientific evaluation system, we will weave our way through dark back alleys and dirty crime scenes to definitively answer the questions. One, which crime procedural is the best? And two, how many spinoffs of popular procedurals are we willing to sift through? So far, the answer is one. Still one. Yep. We've got a lot more to go on uh, CSI and Law and & Order. Yeah, they're they're really tempting us to, to dive deeper in. Hopefully we don't get up to 12, but at least, you know, I'm looking at like a three. I don't know. That Japanese CSI show sounds pretty good to me. Today, we will be talking about Murder, She Wrote. Woohoo! Classic. It's a beloved crime show starring Angela Lansbury and created by Peter S. Fisher, Richard Levinson, and William Link. The show follows the misadventures of widowed mystery novelist Jessica Fletcher in the cozy little town of Cabot Cove, Maine, and she somehow continuously finds herself having to solve real-life murders instead of making her fictional ones. Delightful New England shenanigans. Just like everybody, I'm sure, from New England, you know, casually solving murders. That's what I know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if I've learned anything from Stephen King novels is that there's a lot of murders to be solved in uh, Maine. So. A lot of cosmic entities in small town Maine that are just ready to kill and have their crime solved. So, it's a Big, big industry. Big, booming industry. Tourism and murder. Weirdly enough. <laughs> so the, the show ran for 12 seasons from 1984 to 1996 and boasts 264 episodes. Four TV movies. Two point-and-click adventure games. Whoa. And at least one spin-off book series. Wow. This is where it gets complicated because I think that there's a YA one about Jessica's young grand relative. But there's definitely also one that's, like, written. It's like, says that it's written by Jessica Fletcher, and it's definitely for, like, old people. <laughs> so right. So uh, Wikipedia said that there's one spin-off book series, but I think that there's actually at least two. Yeah. Um, but the show is known for its endearing characters, including, of course, Jessica Fletcher, played by Angela Lansbury. Um, mysteries, lack of violence, <laughs> especially for a show about murder. Uh, and in fact, Angela Lansbury was so beloved in this role, she was nominated for 10 Golden Globes and 12 Emmy Awards. And she won four of the Golden Globes, but zero of the Emmys, uh, which earns her the record for the most Golden Globe nominations and wins for Best Actress in a Television Drama Series. Once again, a lot of qualifiers in these. And the most Emmy nominations for Outstanding Lead Actress in a drama series. Wow. I mean, it seemed well-earned from what we saw. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, I mean, Angela herself is known for being very very beloved. In a 2007 interview, 
Uh, the New York Times described her as one of the few actors it makes sense to call beloved. And then in 1994, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> weirdly aggro on that. Yeah. And in 1994, People Magazine awarded her a perfect score on its lovability index. Also seems unnecessary, but okay. Yeah. Uh, she also uh, has described herself as being incredibly proud of the fact that she's very popular, specifically amongst queer people. So um, we stand that. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. R.I.P. Exactly. How beloved Angela Lansbury is now is more or less um, attributed to her role in Murder, she wrote, um, because it really popularized her. Um, and this is especially interesting because the character of Jessica Fletcher was written for someone else who turned down the role. So oh. Angela ended up with it. <laughs> is that a trivia question or do I get to know now? But I had never heard of the person before okay, cool. and it so wasn't that Bad trivia question. <laughs> so I didn't, it is not a trivia question. Um, but according also not noteworthy. <laughs> yeah. Also wasn't noteworthy in my opinion, <laughs> yeah. but I'm not super familiar with like older actors. So, uh, but according to the creators, they actually thought Angela was perfect for the role, but didn't initially approach her because they thought that she would say no. <laughs> well, that's, that's funny sad. to me. Yeah, I know that's sad. Um, but I said, let that be a lesson to always shoot your shot because yeah. maybe Angela Lansbury will join your project. Aim for the moon. You'll at least land among the stars. Yeah, or, you know, always shoot your shot because maybe Gary Sinise will come on your podcast. Maybe Gary Sinise will be on your podcast. Someday. And I'm not saying any particular podcast. Yeah, you know? any podcast is is made better by Gary Sinise, but yeah. it would be especially good to have him on a particular podcast. Yeah, one that I have in mind. Yeah, I don't know. Just some crime procedural fans. <laughs> anyway. So this was like a crazy popular show in its time. Yeah. Um, the show's big ratings and large viewership may have actually eventually doomed it. <laughs> In addition to some like random onset tensions and general fatigue, um, initially the show first began running into problems in 1988, only four years in, because Angela, who was then 63, didn't feel as if she could keep up with the rigorous production schedule. It's pretty unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, I will say they apparently shifted from seven to eight day shoots. So like they were doing week shoots per episode um, and then switched it to eight days um, for each episode. Which seems pretty intense. I don't know if that's common um, nowadays, but I was under the impression that like shoots, especially um, for TV shows, were meant to be as short as possible. And yeah. so it was really surprising to me that like eight day shoots for each episode because I would expect like three or four, honestly. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's highly common. I mean, sure, for, for crime procedurals, I'm sure filming episode by episode, right? But I don't know if it's highly common elsewhere in the industry to film things super in order. Yeah, sequentially. Unless, like, they're filming it live, right? But Or versus doing things that make more sense set by set, right? You get a more structured story environment. But I'm sure Crime Procedurals having all of those uh, day, day paid-by-day actors that they need to be in the specific show, right? They can't just film out of order because they don't have all their uh, employees that they need. Yeah. Um, and so if, hey, if you're in the industry and you know, please. Yeah. If you're in the industry, maybe you've served as the lead on a popular uh, spinoff of a popular procedural. Yeah, say, that takes CSI place in New York. New York yeah. Maybe. Yeah. We'd happily facilitate you on the podcast. Yeah. So you can let us know about all of our misconceptions. So seven to eight days shoots for each episode. We're looking at 22 episodes per season. It's a lot of days shooting, um, and yeah. so that was pretty rigorous, um, especially Angela just, just turned 63, yeah. was not up to it. So they planned to actually end the series in 1989 because of Angela's plans to leave. Um, 
However, an agreement was made for the next two seasons till 1991. There were some episodes that only had Angela's character at the beginning and or end to introduce, which is actually one of the episodes that we watched. Yep. I wonder why those episodes ended up on either extreme of the episode band to end up in our queue. <laughs> <laughs> After 1992, though, Angela actually became an executive producer of the show, allegedly replacing one of the producers she had frequent disagreements with. I didn't really see that anywhere other than, like, I think a random trivia <laughs> yeah. from IMDb. So take that with a grain of salt. Um, but this seemed to make production much more amiable and was, uh, as far as I could tell, the fatigue problem was solved after she became, like, part of the um, producer team. However, in 1995 is when things started to get a little wild. Uh, there are trivia questions about this, by the okay. way. So I've left some things vague. <laughs> yeah, no worries. We can we can keep on trucking. Um, the 11th season tied with another show, which I will quiz you on later, okay. uh, for the 8th most watched program on television. Oh. This success was great for CBS, the network it was housed in, but they decided to use Murder, She Wrote as a pawn in their inter-network viewings war. So they sought to dethrone NBC's powerhouse Thursday night must-see TV lineup by moving Murder, She Wrote, CBS's most-watched show, to Thursday nights from its usual Sunday night slot. This was also done to try and promote its new shows that aired after Murder, She Wrote. Um, And as you can maybe guess from my lead-up, this went very poorly. (laughs) Yeah, pretty common tactic from my understanding to force around your really good shows in order to prop up other shows. Yeah. Uh, Viewers were absolutely pissed. Um, Murder, She Wrote viewership and ratings absolutely dunked. And the new shows it was supposed to help promote got canceled by December of the same year. Um, For me, it was like, it's like telling people, oh, you love both of these shows. Wouldn't you like it if I gave you an ultimatum on which one you could watch (laughs) for my own benefit? (laughs) Yeah, it it seems like you're really shooting yourself in the foot there. It's like, it's like, bad advertising right once you know what tv show it was it was going up against you're also going to be like oh (laughs) that was so stupid (laughs) i can't wait yeah um so i'm sure networks do this sort of thing all the time it just seems both bonkers and stupid to someone who's grown up with like streaming right (laughs) uh and they also use this to promote their new sunday night lineup which also performed horribly and ruined the ratings of their already established cbs shows right yeah they ruined like yes early wait this is early 90s or late 90s uh 95 95 so Uh, yeah they ruined like six shows by doing this collectively (laughs) and i think almost all of them got canceled um including murder she wrote (laughs) which we'll get into but yeah so cbs then used march madness as like a cover (laughs) to get their shit together since all shows went on hiatus more or less for like a month then they started airing murder she wrote at its usual sunday time for the remainder of the final season i've seen that they aired both thursday and sunday um, and also that they've just aired Sunday, so I don't really know which one's true, but either way, <laughs> yeah, still, you know, a very obvious uh, issue. <laughs> For sure. And even though it was all CBS's fault, they were kind of like, your ratings dropped so low compared to previous seasons. You're not getting renewed. Uh, and this isn't even after the back half of the season was consistently drawing over 15 million viewers. Just like feels so naive of... Let's me- let's make a huge change, and then mm, didn't go well. Seems like there was definitely the other pressures of, I'm sure, cost. Right? I'm sure, I'm sure we had there was some rising cost with like trying to An- Angela being a producer pushing back on rigorous uh, recording schedules. Right? Because the reason those get pushed up is to save money. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and many of the people working on Murder, She Wrote, including Angela, seem to think that this was a deliberate plan to force the series into cancellation. Right. The network. Um, Not surprising. Because of how, like, one, stupid and two, um, like, self-fulfilling it was. Yeah. Um, and I don't really have any more, like, info on motives or anything, just that it's kind of rumored and accepted by a lot of people that worked on this show that um, this was done deliberately to sabotage it. It's so crazy to operate and own media like that and have such an antagonistic relationship with the thing that's there to make you money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Super crazy. Yeah, and I, I genuinely have no clue why they would want the show to get canceled, right? Because it was their best performing show. Um, so I think maybe your guess is about um, cost, cost and, and like Angela's over, role in production. Over belief in the new things they have in the pipeline, right? Yeah. Oh, well, as soon as that's resolved, there'll be, uh, they'll, it'll get lifted up by the other stuff, right? It'll be fine. And it's like, no. And then it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, obviously CBS is doing fine, but <laughs> at the I mean, time it, w- it would take a really big hit to a lot of their programs. Um, yeah. So then in May t- 2011, Angela talked about reprising her role. Um, but in 2015 seemed to be pretty against the idea saying, I in quote, I think it would be a downer in some way we'd have to show her as a much older woman. And I think it's better to maintain that picture we have in our mind's eye of her as a vigorous person. Yeah, I'm okay. still pretty vigorous, especially in the garden. <laughs> But if I wanted to transform myself back into that woman I looked like then, it would be ridiculous, and I can't do that. Yeah, no, I mean, she's extremely energetic in the show. Like, that that comes through as one of her dominating character facets. And I think there very likely would not be a... You know, it's not like Columbo, where it's overall a pretty laid-back approach to investigation, right? It's a very social show uh, that I don't think would stand out as much if... if you know, the 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 burdens of age of realistic aging were placed upon this character right yeah and she would have been about 80 at the time too yeah but it's okay she showed up in knives out so it's all good um angela actually died in october of 2022 yep. rip um rip. with her last official appearance of jessica fletcher being in 2003 yeah and they did try to make a reboot starring Octavia Spencer as a different mystery writer turned amateur sleuth. But that didn't happen and nobody seemed to like the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because the it was like, why do you, would you call it Murder, She Wrote if it's not about Jessica Fletcher and it's like a totally other person? It's like you're obviously just trying to like money grab because you have the rights to Murder, She Wrote. Yeah. And you want to like people to recognize the name, right? And so they just made nothing <laughs> instead. But yeah, that's like my general background. Uh, I personally had never seen Murder, She Wrote before. I was vaguely familiar with it. Yeah, I, I'd heard about it quite a bit, but I'd never actually seen an episode of it. Um, I've seen some Columbo here and there, and I've really enjoyed it. And so those have always kind of been in parallel in my head, which has been... So that sort of is established a parallel of, oh, I'd probably like this show, and I did. So there you go. <laughs> before we talk about the episodes we watched, let's get into our first mini game. Okay. Trivia. Beautiful, beautiful trivia. Yeah. So my first question for you, and I hope that you remember how many points you have, because I don't. Uh seven? No, (laughs) five? Seven? I don't remember. I think I think I accidentally read the my rating for uh SVU and thought that was my amount of points. So I'll have to go back, but I'll just keep track of what I'm getting here. Okay, okay. That's good. That's good. You can make uh one of our listeners tell us. Kira, that's you. Kira, yeah. Kira, tell us, uh, my sister, tell us exactly how many points I have from the first two episodes. 
Um, so my first question for you. Okay. Is what NBC show was CBS primarily attempting to dethrone from the ratings with Murder, She Wrote? NBC show from the 90s. Yeah. I Killed Murder, She Wrote. I don't know a lot of 90s television. I was not alive then. Uh, is it a procedural? No. Okay. So it's not a procedural. You've definitely heard of this show. It's actually weirdly popular with our generation. Now, now I'm going to feel stupid when I don't get it, but on Thursday night slated, weirdly popular with our generation. It's not a procedural. Is it? Is it a drama or a comedy? It's a comedy. It's a comedy. They're competing with a, a with sitcom specifically. Sitcom. Oh, Friends. Yeah, it's yeah, Friends. <laughs> that's. Oh boy, compete trying to what what? <laughs> You're gonna put crime procedural up against like young people television and then expect it to do great like what, what are you thinking yeah and it was explicitly the move was to try to um change the demographics of uh, murder she wrote and to get in with the yeah. younger crowd trying to change the demographics by trying to catch those demographics from a different show like they're just gonna yeah. watch friends guys exactly like that's why a lot of people think that it was a deliberate attempt you to have you have a genuinely show. good case for a uh, deliberate attempt at at you know tanking the show there if you were to sue in a court of law there <laughs> who, who on earth no no one actually thought that was a good idea surely yeah it was super crazy uh, when i read that i was like huh yeah <laughs> well <laughs> all right well i got it Woo-hoo! yeah great job second question for you what other tv show did the creators peter s fisher richard levinson and william link make together uh, There's actually a couple, I think, but I have one yeah. partic- in particular in mind. Well, my brain wants to say Columbo because the shows have such a similar aesthetic, but I don't think that's the case. Then what are you going to say? I'll say Columbo. It's Columbo. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I thought you would like I that. I didn't have a better answer, so <laughs> I was going to go for it. But I, I did vocalize my own self-doubt there. So. Yeah, I thought since you liked Columbo that you'd like that fun yeah, fact. No, I, I do like that. Um, They, they have very similar elements of this is the structure of the show and we write interesting things around that structure and sometimes play with it but overall it's you know it's got the feel-good return to form every time well you got it congratulations um third question what other tv show shares a universe or you could say murder verse with murder she wrote complete with a crossover episode that can be found in both of their complete collection dvds Oh, the same episode. It's not like the CW where you have to own both of them. Well, there's two, two. So there's a episode of Murder She Wrote, and then there's a episode of the other TV show. But both episodes are present in the complete collections for both series. Well, I don't really know, and I doubt that you put two Columbo questions back to back. So I'm just going to go ahead and say I'm not saying Columbo. Okay. Even if if it were true, I will say we have seen this show. We've seen this show. Okay. Well, see, my first. I'm going to take you through my first guess here, which is. I'm thinking about Angela Lansbury, 90s, fictional characters, iconic fictional characters, and who would be the best sidekick cohort to Jessica Fletcher. And, of course, what comes out of that? The one, the only, Steve Urkel. So, Family Matters <laughs> is, my first, is my guess. That's an interesting guess. It is incorrect. Um, okay, but but you do want to see Steve Ur- Urkel solve a murder with Angela Lansbury. Yes, right? that, that okay. would be a good good piece of television. Not seeing Family Matters. So. <laughs> Pretty sure that's the right show. Yeah, I believe it's Family Matters. Okay, cool. If not, Family Ties confuses me with, I think that's the um, Michael J. Fox one. So. Anyway, 
All right. Uh, do I get another guess? <laughs> yeah, go for it. We've seen this show. We've seen quite a bit of this show. Is this a procedural? Uh, yes. Yeah. Seen quite a bit of this procedural thing. That was. It was like mostly a two-day period where we watched a lot of this procedural. We watched. We watched a lot of this procedural for two days. Not the Fast and the Furious franchise. No. <laughs> Though I would like to see Jessica Fletcher in the Fast <laughs> and Furious franchise. Yeah, uh, deep faked on to Paul Walker's brother, uh, just like he was. Jessica <laughs> Fletcher <laughs> driving down the road to a uh, yeah a Charlie Puth song. <laughs> um, God, a procedural that we watched a lot of for two days. I will say, if anyone is talented, um, please, for the love of God, make that deep fake that Hank just described. <laughs> <laughs> Terrifying. I, I I don't think I got it. I'm sorry. It's Magnum I, PI. Magnum PI. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Jessica Fletcher, the main the main detective visiting Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, that's literally it. Yeah. yeah. Her her vacation. That checks out. Yeah, we watched we watched a lot of it for two days because we were in an Airbnb with uh, small children and <laughs> needed something to put on the television. <laughs> it was, be- I love Magnum It was PI. pretty good. Yeah, I was pretty happy with it. I was very um, entertained. Tom Selleck, mm, I'm less interested in having Tom Selleck on the podcast than Gary Sinise, <laughs> being honest. Uh, you know, sorry, sorry, but chairman of the NRA is not exactly a, a, a great position to, in your background there. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> My next question for you is, where was the show primarily filmed? Okay, well, primarily filmed, uh, it gave me big Hudson River Valley vibes. So I'm going to go with New York. No. It's probably California. Oh, it's it's, it's CBS, right? So almost certainly somewhere in the Los Angeles vicinity. You're correct. Yeah. <laughs> I specifically have Universal Studios Backlot Baby <laughs> that written on out. here. Uh, and random California locations. Yeah. Um, this actually kind of relates uh, for me, though. The, I remember when I watched Gilmore Girls as a child, uh, always just thinking those hills in the background are a little too intense for Connecticut. There's <laughs> like California mountains in the background of, of ostensibly a New England town. Anyway. No, that's funny. <laughs> Am I getting that point then? For Yeah, you, you get that point. Awesome. Um, and then also something funny about this. I don't, like I said, this is once again from IMDb, so it could be incredibly wrong. Yeah. But I've been told that the like Jaws Lake in the Universal Studios mm. tour is the same body of water that's used often in um, Murder, She Wrote. And I don't know if that's true or not, and I've never been to Universal Studios, so I have no concept uh, for what any of that means. But, um, you know, if you have and that makes sense, good trivia. (laughs) My last question for you is, what are the names of two of the 12th season episodes named specifically to throw shade at the network? This is a hard one, but you do have the information now to solve I have solve the it. information. So it has to be something kind of kind of joking, right? Like my my immediately my immediate uh, thought is like executive dysfunction or something like that. But that's probably too close to erectile dysfunction for a, 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 a television show to get away with. Family television show. Um, uh, I have all the information I would need to potentially get this, but I yeah. have to back engineer it. <laughs> yes, you're correct. Uh, yeah, geez. Okay. I'll give you a hint. One is has the name of the um, competing television show in it. Oh, the one I'm, I'm going to go off the friend structure for episode titles here and say the one where the network 
screws us. <laughs> That's the best. I can no, do. you're good. I'll give it. Um, I'll just tell you what they are. Yeah, it's sure. uh, murder among friends mm. and death by demographics. Very fun. Are the the that's, two? That's names. very good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't think you'd get it, but I thought that you'd like the fact. Yeah, I like that a lot. <laughs> awesome. Well, you've got what three, three. points? Yeah. Congratulations. Um, now I'd like to move into our new mini game segment, um, which is I'm calling best known for, but it's mostly just a deep dive into a, a person's IMDb page. Um, so for this version, we're going to look at Angela Lansbury. Okay. Yeah. And her um, great credits. And so I have, <laughs> uh, as my first question, I'd like you to name uh, the three other um, works that she is best known for uh, on her IMDb page. So, of course, one is Murder, She Wrote. But what are the other three? I truly don't know if I'll ever have a way to get this. However, going off of... You've seen at least two of them. Yeah, well, I'm going to go with Glass Onion because I feel like that's one of the only ones that you know that I've seen for sure. No. Okay, she's not. That's not one of her best. Well, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll just do three guesses and if I get any of them, that'll, that'll be a point. Is that how you want to Yes, it? that's cool. Um. Okay, so Glass Onions, no. Well, I'll go with Magnum P.I. because... No. Maybe? No? Wow. You have to think about like roles in which she was very iconic. Um, so I don't think Magnum P.I. would count since she was like a guest in it, right? But like roles where she was played a big part and was... Um, I don't know a lot about Angela Lansbury's history. So I'm going to go with a random guess here and say that she has a background in mystery movies and say maybe there's some uh, Agatha Christie on there and maybe uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Okay, now there are a lot of Agatha Christie novels on there, like, okay. sorry, novel adaptions, yeah, um, yeah. which is kind of how she got this role in the first place. I'm, I'm sure, yeah. But um, I could be wrong. I think there are, there are some uh, movies, but I think there are also, like, a lot of plays she did. She did a lot of Broadway, too, I believe. Um, they, they shouldn't be on her IMDb, though. If they're on yeah, her yeah. IMDb, those are... It is not, yeah. So yeah. they're not any Agatha Christie on her most well-known. Um, okay. But that is kind of how she got famous. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I feel like that's, that's, I, I've, I've emotionally earned myself points. Um, yeah. Jeez. Oh, so not an Agatha Christie, not a production. Are they TV shows or are they films? Um, they're all three films and two of them are animated. Oh, um, she's in like the rescuers, isn't she? Or something like that. You're getting a lot closer. Oh, is it the great mouse detective? No, no you're that mice are wrong. Mice, mice is wrong. So not rescuers, not great mouse detective. Animated Angela Lansbury. Yeah, I've, one's a Disney movie. Yeah, I've heard of. I I was I've been aware in the past that she was an animated in an animated film. I don't remember what that was. Now, do you want me to give them to you? Uh, they're they're not Pixar films, are they? They're just Disney movies. Just Disney, classic Disney, classic Disney movies. Is she like the? Is she play like the? Um, what's it called? Fairy Godmother or something in Cinderella? Nope. Or, no, that's too old. That's too old. Probably been in the appropriate demographic um yeah sorry no you're good one is the manchurian candidate okay as mrs eleanor shaw Iselin. okay um second is beauty and the beast as Uh, mrs potts yeah mrs potts and the last is anastasia as the dowager empress marie you see i i've not seen anastasia all the way through i believe it's because it was watched a fair amount in my household uh, when i was a small child and then sort of abandoned as my siblings know it and 
I never, I've never. It's seen kind it. of a scary movie. Yeah, intense for sure. That's also not a Disney movie. I think it is now. No, no, yeah, it's not a Disney movie now. So we, I was thinking yeah. Beauty and the Beast, but Anastasia was the non-Disney gotcha. animated movie. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I thought they were both Disney films. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, you're good. You're good. Yeah, okay. that makes sense, Mrs. Potts. Yeah, uh, you already got my second question, which is what, my bonus. What was the last role she was credited? Oh yeah, for? Glass Onion. I'm sure Glass Onion. Yep. Um. Next bonus. What famous video game franchise has she voiced a recurring character in? Okay, well... If you use your critical thinking skills, you should be able to... I, Kingdom this. Hearts is what comes to mind. You're correct. Yeah, okay, cool. Check it out. is Kingdom Mrs. Hearts. <laughs> I assume. Yes. <laughs> what, a, what a weird... Kingdom Hearts is so funny. Yeah. Um, cra- in Absolutely insane video game, uh, in case you're not fam- any of you aren't familiar with that. Uh, essentially a crossover between the Final Fantasy realm, a different original IP, and Disney content which is just sounds insane and it is yeah and it's funny she does also voice mrs potts in a lot of the Be- beauty and the beast uh, video yeah, games well. that's not surprising um i think a lot of actors had exclusivity contracts uh when they would go to do disney stuff which meant that they were had to be hired out to do so yeah notable exception tom hanks whose brother voiced him in all of his uh, video games <laughs> <laughs> okay my last bonus is what terrifying character from your favorite terrifying childhood movie is she voice my favorite my favorite terrifying or just generally like society's favorite your terrifying. personal favorite terrifying childhood movie um a terrifying character in it well see my personal favorite terrifying childhood movie would be peewee's big adventure okay well think about a different one then okay um God, and this is a this is a movie that you know for certain. Yeah, we watched it together. We watched this together. We watched Pee Wee's Big Adventure together. <laughs> that is true. God, I can't. I can't think of. You it. made me watch it like a couple months ago. I. Oh, God, it's got a killer soundtrack. Haunting. <laughs> it's not the it's not the last unicorn. It is the last unicorn. Oh, the, I watched that like one time when I was a kid. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was excited about it because I watched it during uh, quarantine in 2020, and <laughs> was like, you know putting together my life so i had a very positive memory of it um yeah so she the 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 terrifying boob tree lady no no okay damn it uh is she the one like the hag the yeah she yeah. is mommy fortuna mommy fortuna yeah who is the witch that she, sorry i'm getting i'm getting the harpy in and i don't believe she's actually a hag it's just a witchy character yeah 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 apologies for <laughs> yeah she's the witch that uh tries to hold people captive and like animals captive and is generally terrifying that's wild that's so fun <laughs> well thank you uh for participating in my bonus game there. of course thank you that's, that's what two points yeah um wait funny title trivia lansbury i guess that works <laughs> <laughs> yeah i came out of that with a little extra bonus point yeah okay now let's get into the episodes we watched. Um, I, I'm going as I have recently. Oh edited wait, two, uh, two I forgot. Recently, we usually do reviews before. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> I was, I was, I, I make note of it because I've edited those in the past like three weeks, both of them, and I was scolded in both of them for trying to go to the episodes. So Daphne, um, don't you, don't you know we do the reviews first? <laughs> oh my god, you're right. <laughs> okay. Okay. Reviews. Tell me, Hank, what is your review of Murder, She Wrote? All right. Well, I wrote this right after we finished um, and had a really positive, overall very positive outlook on Murder, She Wrote. Uh, what I wrote was Murder, She Wrote delivers some sophisticated, compact, and enjoyable whodunits at best and paint-by-numbers comfort mysteries at worst, which we'll get into. 
Um, Jessica Fletcher is a charming and well put together personality. Uh, Dennis, what's his face? Uh, as I do not remember his last name, we'll get into that as well. Is a noble attempt for a substitution. Uh, total of eight point eight out of ten for me. Awesome. I said eight out of ten. Um, wholesome murder show that's pleasant to watch, but definitely a product of its time. Interesting, and um, we can get into what you mean by that i didn't see anything that was too problematic on yeah i'm not even talking about like a problematic level i'm just kind of talking about a pacing level yeah yeah. it felt i mean it felt a little old for the 90s to be honest (laughs) yeah that's true um but i I think that is easier to stomach when you're looking back on it and you can just pretend like it's an 80s show right (laughs) (laughs) um i think that personally it's like when i was comparing it to like csi (laughs) csi miami uh, (laughs) other shows um i think that um the csi and like a lot of modern procedurals treat you like you're stupid (laughs) which is uh both good and bad right and i think that murder she wrote does not treat you like you're stupid um but sometimes at the expense of the show because like i know that there are times where i missed like a piece of dialogue um you know because my brain doesn't function well Uh, (laughs) and um then i like had no clue what was going on for like portions right. of scenes because i was like wait who is this person again like what is happening what is the clue that yeah. they found whereas like in csi and stuff they like will tell you four different times like this is the clue this is why it's important this is what we're going to do with it right versus in i feel like murder she wrote they're like oh interesting let me put this clue in my pocket for later yeah so that's I, why I kind of, what i kind of meant with like a um, product of its time and yeah. that like it treated me like I had an attention span, <laughs> which I do not. Right. The, I think that was actually most apparent for me in the in the best episode that we watched, which we can get into. But I think the median episode did an okay job of kind of spoon feeding it. But the best episode really felt like it wanted me to try to solve it along with it, <laughs> which I did not do. I did not do. No, uh, it was too much for me. Like I, not not really something you can do at the procedural. Anyway. Um. Really quick before we get into the episodes, I do want to say I'm very disappointed in myself. When you asked me about NBC primetime television in the 90s, Frasier never entered my mind, and I think I have to go into exile now because of that. So apologies to Frasier. I will not apologize to Kelsey Grammer, though, for whatever. I don't know if I told you this, but <laughs> when I was on jury duty, the um, defense lawyer kept bringing up Frasier. And he kept asking us, like, it's just like Frasier, you know? And I literally was, like, shaking my head, like, no, I don't know. I've never seen Frasier. Was he talking about, like, the entry to the apartment side yes, of that? Yes, yes. Because, like, he was talking they about... always knock constantly. Like, <laughs> he was talking about how people in Frasier, like, walk into Half of, half of the main characters in Frasier live in the home that 90% of the show takes place in. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. And the two that don't knock constantly um yeah so the whole idea was that um yes this happened like two weeks ago it still haunts me it was horrific experience uh but (laughs) in this uh jury duty case the defense lawyer's defense for someone entering into someone else's home without being invited and therefore being charged with unlawful entry um was that in fraser they do it all the time and yeah, that went over just about as well as you would imagine. I love the idea of of him admitting to evidence of Frasier episode. <laughs> and then just being like, watch here as Niles barely waits at the front door before entering himself. And it's like, also, I've never seen Frasier. I also love the, uh, 
Yeah, so that was an experience. I won't get into anymore. It's a long story, yeah. but I just wanted to really drive home. Um, oh, I'm I'm sure we'll be trickling in bits of that court case into various episodes. Yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> stay tuned for the saga of Daphne's horrific jury duty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anywho, let's talk about these episodes. Okay. Yeah, sure. Let's talk about um the median first. So that would be... Christopher Bundy died on Sunday, season two, episode 19. That's a 7.5 out of 10 on IMDb. Yep. I wrote down my first thing was that this is the toxic contract episode because the uh, framing reason that Angela Lansbury, or sorry, that Jessica Fletcher has arrived in this situation is that uh, it is the owner of her or of a person she's in a publishing contract with. Uh, who is the publisher of like a pinup magazine. Yeah, it's like a Playboy equivalent. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but yeah, throughout the episode, she it takes place at the mansion of this uh, publisher, publishing company owner, I should say, um, of this Playboy magazine that also, you know, publishes is going to publish a short story or two of hers, basically, and she is not happy with it because she does not want to be locked in there. Yeah, one of the details that was lost in this, like I kind of mentioned earlier, is that it was like it's like they had bought the publishing company that she had sold the story to. And then, like, therefore had the rights to the story. And then we're going to put it instead of, like, in the original publication it was slated for into, like, this Playboy magazine stand-in. It was, like, kind of confusing. Yeah. <laughs> Contract shenanigans. But, I mean, it was it was acceptable, right, for the understanding what's going on in the show. The yeah. setup. Well, one of the things, too, is that is that in Murder, She Wrote, from the episodes that we watch, it seems like the lead needs to have a sidekick. Um, <laughs> and in this case, it was her nephew who also, like works at this publishing company yeah he's an accountant Yeah, he's an accountant and was like reassuring her that that the deal was fine when it was in fact not not fine for her (laughs) yeah um i did the first thing i had written down was wow it's like watching csi miami titties galore yeah uh because because there is a model for the for the magazine seems like their their top model who is just sort of present at this place and she's taking a lot of pool pics. A lot of pool pics, swimsuit uh, pictures. Yeah, it's an interesting time. Yeah, this dude's like office is just filled with pinups, pinups of this lady. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it was a really funny first introduction after reading that like um, Angela Lansbury was like, oh yeah, I love murder. She wrote no violence, <laughs> no sex. And then, you, <laughs> then it's like the first episode we watch. It's like, oh, and here's a montage of a bunch yeah. of um pinups of this woman yeah so this publisher guy lives uh unmarried with his sister and his sister's two children yep two adult children um and they are generally perceived as sketchy individuals um also his manservant (laughs) is i don't know like assistant basically his pa uh, whose name I had written down like four places, but I can't find it now. Um, who is voiced by the guy that voices the itchy and scratchy, or not voiced by, he's played by the guy that voices the itchy and scratchy creator in The Simpsons, and that's all I could hear. <laughs> I was also convinced that he was going to be the killer because I was like, this guy I know is famous, like, because, you know, he's in The Simpsons, so of course he is. So he must be the killer, right? And I was proven wrong, surprisingly. So good on you, Murder, she wrote, subverting the most famous guest star is the killer <laughs> um but yeah uh, the guy dies surprise surprise christopher bundy dies on a sunday uh, <laughs> the 
when he dies, also, Angela is like hanging out with the creepy security guard, security guard overseer of the elaborate security camera system that at one point the, the guy, the victim reassures Angela Lansbury, oh, it's okay, they don't have sound. And you see this guy, this creepy security guard, drinking coffee and listening to their conversation. Yeah, and he's also like, w- without being asked, is also like, and don't worry, there's not any in the bathrooms either. Uh, there are some in the bedrooms, though, in case there you There are wondering. some in the bedrooms. Very questionable. Uh, and- I will say, at one point, this guy, um, so he's trying to, like, schmooze um, Angela into... Yeah like staying so that he can charm her into being willing to give up her story right. uh, because he, that's how he thinks this is going to go. Um, and the victim at, this is. Yeah. yeah, the victim, yeah. And at one point he's like, she says, no, I'm not going to stay overnight in your weird <laughs> pleasure castle. And he's like, what, are you afraid of staying overnight with me? And I was like, ah, yes, a stranger known for being a creepy capitalist shithead <laughs> with mob connections and who runs a pinup magazine that exploits women. Yeah. I would be, and has cameras in every room. Uh, yeah, I totally wouldn't be creeped out about spending the night with this guy. <laughs> no, for sure. Very uncomfortable. Also, after right after he is shot, his manservant, whose name is like Bruce or something um, of that variety, pulls out a gun and keeps it out for basically the rest of the episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's funny because after, after he's shot, it's unclear like who shot him. There's another guy who's who's also involved, or another writer with, that's angry at the, at the publishing company, who is played off as the main suspect, and essentially Angela Lansbury is very very confident he did not do it, and is trying to prove that he did not do it, and that's her that's her involvement in the case because he's arrested at one point and then later let go, but he did run away right after the guy was shot, and <laughs> this and just generally ha- didn't have a lot of defense. But also the manservant dude hates him (laughs) and like almost kills him several times. Yeah, yeah. He threatens to kill this guy in front of the cops. It's Bert. Several times. (laughs) He's like, oh, I know this guy did it. And if you don't arrest him, I'm going to kill him myself. And you're like, you can't just say that. Yeah. Uh, In the end, the reason that we are perceiving angela watching the security cameras when the murder happens is that the only person she was watching on the security cameras the daughter of or the the guy's niece shoots him because uh in the past i believe had her father killed yeah that's i i'm yeah i'm not 100 percent confident but i'm fairly certain that is what they were trying to get at yeah it was kind of implied but i'm pretty 100 percent sure that it's like they're get what they're getting at is that he has killed his sister's husbands both times. Yeah. And it's like, okay, go off, queen. <laughs> <laughs> and she, yeah, and then she's confessing it to him or whatever. And she's like, I only regret I didn't do it sooner. Yeah. And then, like, really goes after her mom for, like, not having the courage to um, stand up to her piece of shit brother um, and let him kill the father of both of her children, casually. Yeah. Uh, which was like really like hey love this lady honestly (laughs) and then they prove that she was or that that it was fabricated evident or the the recording was fabricated so she could have done it and had motive and blah 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 um i don't remember how they actually genuinely proved that she did it but whatever and i don't even know if they did i think she just confessed (laughs) which is funny because they did that through a the fact that the sun comes through the curtains blindingly and that b the surveillance camera whole shenanigans these two things were pointed out within like 15 seconds of each other which is just like okay you're just gonna like like i literally wrote down 
Chekhov's blinding sun through uh, blinding see through curtains and surveillance cameras. <laughs> it's like I could just easily predict this is what's going to happen, right? It's less interesting. Um, I also wrote that down that this dude wants to fuck Angela Lansbury? Question mark with in regarding the victim. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Also, at the end, the the cook was he? I don't remember. Yeah, the the cook was was an IRS agent, which was established early in the episode. And then leads this huge crew of IRS uh, agents into the house at the end to seize records and arrest the sister, most likely, who is now responsible for the company. Which is just crazy. Uh, it, also, another thing about all of the IRS agents were black, as was the cook. And he refers to them as my people. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Speaking as an IRS agent, however, it's very funny, just like... A, three cars of like 12 black dudes get out and he's and like my people raining. are here yeah. <laughs> it's my people very weird oh that was really funny i think there are actually a few white ones in there but like the way it was framed it was only by the time by the time he said my out. people it was like five black dudes heading into the house <laughs> yeah it was really funny <laughs> okay okay cbs whatever <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, so there's a lot going on in this episode, right? And there yeah. are a lot of, like, red herrings, and it was interesting. Um, I thought it was well done. Yeah. Um, kind of like I said previously, there are a couple, like, random things that, like, were said that I missed, or, like, even weren't even said, just shown that I missed, and then, like, at the end, I was like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> when did that happen? Um, like, the nephew is trying to get with the model the whole time. Yeah, and, they're, like, like I, in love. Yeah, and then at one point, she scorns him, and I, like, missed it or something, because suddenly he was, like all pissy and mad at her and then i was like when did this happen the models flirting with angela lansbury's nephew to try to like dissuade him from or just get get him to dissuade her from investigating further (laughs) truly weird yeah some good quotes out of this episode would be um my first short story in a girly mag (laughs) uh which is goals i guess um very very nice <laughs> oh the the mother the sister of the victim too or no it was it was it the niece who had who, the doctor gave her six months to live due to excessive drinking oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> and she just yeah, that was one of her first character introductions i was like okay <laughs> yikes yeah another good quote is what would hemingway do <laughs> from um angela <laughs> Really, honestly, uh, it was a good episode. It was entertaining. Right. Um, like I said, I, I thought I missed some stuff. Um, and there were... I didn't think there were too many characters for it to be confusing. Yeah. Um, but at times, some parts of their background were a little unclear. Yeah. There was... It was the... I, in ways, it was better than the best episode to me. I would agree with that. Yeah. At least in terms of this is a more digestible uh procedural format than necessary than a weird bottle episode right that that might have a bit more involvement or uh, emotional stake required to enjoy it which we'll obviously get to in the end of the best episode enough about what was good and what was enjoyable because we got a real stinker up next with the worst rated episode of murder she wrote so this one was where have you gone billy boy season seven episode 18 6.5 out of 10 on imdb this one was the ventriloquist Slash not Angela episode. <laughs> she was in it for like 30 seconds at the beginning. And then after that, it was a British dude named Dennis something. Yeah. He's like a prior jewel thief turned insurance. Yeah. Um, gentleman thief. Adjuster. Yeah. 
And so he like works for an insurance company and then like investigates people's claims. Yep. So the specific claim he's investigating is that the ventriloquist doll Billy Boy has vanished and they are trying to the insurance company has an interest in trying to figure out who stole it so they don't have to pay out like a $10,000 claim or something. Yeah. And then even after Billy Boy is found, they are then trying to prove that uh, because the ventriloquist ends up being the prime suspect, they try to prove him innocent because he, all of the potential future payout for him for from him, right? Um, which yeah. just feels weird to to get to frame an episode around just weird nasty capitalism. <laughs> yeah, and I can't stress enough: this ventriloquist is unwell, terrifying. Well, the dummy. The ventrilo- sorry, yeah, the ventriloquist is unwell. The dummy is terrifying. Yes. Them put together is frightening. Like, it could have easily been a Twilight Zone episode. Like, oh, yeah. you could have sure. changed almost nothing about this episode, and it would have been a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. For sure. Um, but the general setup is that, like, uh, it's a comedy act, right? So the ventriloquist is a comedy act with this puppet Billy Boy, and then he has, like, his girlfriend Brenda say, like, two lines and get sexually harassed by the puppet. Yeah. And that's the whole act, baby. And it's a hit. Yeah. <laughs> and the people in Vegas want to see Billy Boy. But the um, comedy club owner who he signed a contract with don't want uh, that to happen because then they lose their big, um, you know, people puller, which is this ventriloquist act that is very terrible. Um, and so... Then, um, after he gets approached by this, um, these Vegas people, right, um, and he looks like he's going to leave within the next week and, and abandon his contract, the puppet goes missing, and so um, he can't go to Vegas, and he has to stay at the comedy club. Um, and then um, a bunch of creepy crap happens, yeah. which we can get into, but uh, the more important stuff is that um, turns out that the ventriloquist, um, he's saying that his puppet was kidnapped but in reality he actually hid his puppet because he was scared of going to the big leagues right and what that would entail and so um it's because he was too scared he decided to fake his puppet's kidnapping um but in the process the comedy club owner does get murdered um turns out by her business partner who she treats horribly Um, business partner was uh friends with the former performer that she had locked in a toxic contract. And when that performer tried to get out, she was essentially blacklisted. And then so, got addicted to drugs? Yeah. It's pretty sad. I think she was a comedian. Um, or I think she was a singer, actually. Singer? Maybe. I don't remember. Anyway, mm-hmm. I actually found it kind of ambiguous whether the club owner actually did hide Billy. She didn't really have a reason to. But uh, the, the show did not do a good job explaining. Because I think Joe or the, the business partner thought that she had hid Billy, even though... Um, the ventriloquist ha- actually had Woody, the ventriloquist. Also, uh, Woody, more of a ventriloquist doll name than Billy is. So, <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that one, <laughs> writers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The There's also a creepy scene in when Woody is in jail where he won't, he won't talk at all. And so Dennis brings him Billy and then he talks through Billy exclusively. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. He, he, it's like he doesn't have confidence unless he's talking through Billy. But Billy the puppet is very scary and a sexual harasser. Um, And I didn't like that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The way that they they catch Joe is that 
Kate was the only person in, with a key to the basement where she died. So the person who has the key must be the killer. And the police lock up the basement, keep it, keep the crime scene closed. And then Dennis invents some reason that Joe, the nightclub, the new owner slash murderer, should have to go check out down there for whatever. I don't remember what, what it was. But so they catch him using the key that he, you know, stole, lifted off of Kate's dead body to go back down there. Uh, but I also wrote because Joe is just sort of, is sort of defending Sally, the former performer, and Woody, the current performer. That he's kind of a baddie, honestly. Once again, not terrible reasons for doing a horrible thing. <laughs> yeah, not condoning murder, but also this woman was the worst, toxic, <laughs> and was like actively working to ruin the lives of indie performers. Yeah, for her own personal gain. Yeah. They really did force everybody to have a motive. It felt like like the the business the manager for Woody was his friend from high school, and like he wants Woody to be using the new Billy that they're having made, who's going to be ready on Friday. But Woody's obviously very attached to Billy because he's neurodivergent, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and Tom's never appreciative of that, so it's like, oh, did Tom hide it because whatever the the, the kidnapping s- subplot. Then there's also, at one point, Woody finds uh, Billy downstairs and makes a phone call as Billy to Dennis uh, (laughs) saying where Billy is located, which is An unhinged thing to do. Unhinged thing to do. Yeah, which is part of why he's then a primary suspect. I do have a a quote pulled out from this episode, and I think you have this pulled out too, but uh, this is Brenda, Woody's girlfriend, who doesn't get to do a whole lot in the act and wants to do more. I got two lousy lines, like I'm some tourist from Kokomo. So shout out to the shithole that I used to work in. <laughs> <laughs> Kokomo, Indiana, Kokomo, Indiana, baby. There's some good things about Kokomo. Nothing, no, nothing but love to the people of Kokomo. Nothing but hate to the composition that is Kokomo. <laughs> to the concept, <laughs> the of, concept Kokomo. of Kokomo. <laughs> <laughs> to the system that is Kokomo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, uh, I actually didn't have that written down, but I did have written down um, one of the first lines that our narrator says, which is, I look like an aging gigolo. I do have that, too. I don't remember who said that. I'm pretty sure that's um. Oh, that's right. The Jewel Thief guy. Because Dennis, the reason he's talking to Jessica is because Jessica wrote, is this, is this whole thing a, a made up story? Is that the intention? <laughs> I, I forgot about that. It's I think just a the framing story device, he's telling to Angela. I think the framing device is that he's talking to Jessica because he's angry because she wrote a book based on him and he doesn't like how he's portrayed in it and complains that he looks like an aging gigolo from her portrayal. Yeah, which is very funny, very honestly. Funny, yeah. But, and then I, this is like told in flashback or something. I don't remember. Very strange, though. Yeah, you just like, if you want to hear a real story. Yeah. Have you heard the story of Billy Boy? Yeah, just a, a reason to have Jessica at the beginning of the episode, essentially. Yeah. Um, this puppet's rough. <laughs> yeah. It's very, very scary. Um, and uh, overall, I uh, can't, can't say that I enjoyed the puppet shenanigans. No. I thought it was a fine episode. Um, it was important to watch to get an idea of where those episodes go, I think, for the show. To give a, mm-hmm. give a better overall analysis. Although I largely discounted it in my rating anyway, so who knows? Yeah, and I didn't. I thought it was like totally workable. Um, I thought it was a better episode than the worst episodes of the other shows we've watched so yeah. far. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, kind of leagues above, honestly. Yeah. Um, but I still didn't think it was like 
the best in the world. I just think it's harder when you like don't know the stand-in um, Jessica Fletcher character very well. And so it's like I liked him, but like I think if he had his own show, it would have been more endearing versus like him showing up and then like <laughs> negging <laughs> Jessica Fletcher and then being like, let me tell you a real story. Like that was like kind of a weird setup. And I was like, okay, I'll watch more of this guy, I guess. But like, why does I have to be in Murder, She Wrote? Well, in my review, when I was talking about paint by numbers mystery, I was mainly talking about this episode. It really feels like it's just sort of a script that's checking the boxes in order to accomplish the goals of a procedural. And then they moved on as soon as they got that rubric filled out. Right. All right. I'm I'm done talking about Billy Boy. I'm ready to, to shutter him from my mind forever and go to four months of therapy to work out my feelings about him. Yeah, it's like a Goosebumps episode. Yeah, true. I mean, it is literally basically a Goosebumps. Yes, you're correct. <laughs> let's let's climb the, the hills of television ratings, more specifically IMDb ratings, to reach the summit of the, weirdly enough, I have this one covered, season one, episode 18, Murder Takes the Bus. That's an 8.6 out of 10 on IMDb. Oh boy, is it an 8.6 out of 10? Not really. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't hyper fond of this one. Uh, no. But I was like, really? This is the best one? Yeah. Well, it's a, so it's a bottle episode. Uh, Jessica is taking the bus from her, I almost said artificial, fictional, <laughs> artificial, or they're all artificial, town in Maine to Portland, I think she said. Yeah, which we stand Portland. We stand Portland. Daphne is the the place Daphne and I have visited the most <laughs> because we visited it twice. <laughs> yeah, Portland, Maine, baby. Forever in our hearts. Yeah. Love you. Yeah. Um, Didn't get to see it at all, but that's okay. Yeah, not in the Murder, She Wrote episode. Yeah. We have personally seen, yeah, we've seen Portland, Portland, Maine. <laughs> Very exciting, though. And then the bus Love carries it. on to Boston. Um, so this is a bottle episode. The I did not realize that she was Maine, a Mainer <laughs> until this episode because I... It, easy enough to to miss that element so daphne was kind enough to inform me that, that this episode is sort that she's sort of a stephen king esque character and that she lives in a main town and writes stories <laughs> so it's just like a long ride down from wherever weirdly long too i think the northest stop the furthest north stop they listed was like brunswick maine which like we drove through on a day trip out like not even a long day trip like an uh, it was 45 minutes end-to-end destination with one of those ends being Portland. So it was weird that's like, oh, okay, so that that's the, the first stop that she's mentioning after getting on the bus. Are they traveling like 40 hours to, or four hours to get down there? Because what why is this bus ride going to take so long then? Um, but it's pouring rain. At one point, they get let past a little checkpoint. They probably shouldn't have been let past <laughs> of like, hey, the road's swamped and can't shouldn't go down here. And then they end up stuck at a diner. All of the all the the bus passengers and everyone gets stuck at the diner. This is after they are weirdly followed by a car that later uh, passes them at the checkpoint and then ends up uh, pulled over on the side of the road. And the guy gets on the bus. You know, always a good sign. Yeah. And uh, they also pass a prison. And yeah. Pick they also they pass a prison and out. pick up somebody there. So they get to the diner. People go in. Somebody you know do shenanigans people have reasons to go out and try to use the phone or whatever go back to the bus check stuff and then they realize the guy they picked up from the prison bus stop is dead he's He's been stabbed through the shoulder with with a a screwdriver screwdriver, fatally (laughs) um which is which is very funny because very quickly it's brought into question whether the screwdriver killed him which it did not which 
was literally is literally part of the plot to Gosford Park. If you've watched it, the uh, movie that inspired Downton Abbey, <laughs> which is also a whodunit murder mystery, which has its own issues and maybe we could talk about in a in a some kind of weird review episode. But uh, just the, the same concept of this person was already dead. <laughs> but it's also really funny because it's like the shoulder, the the stab. They like, keep calling it his neck, but it's, yeah, it's most it's, certainly his uh, shoulder. It's, it's a screwdriver protruding from his clavicle, basically. Yeah, they're like that's what killed <laughs> that's him. It's like yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not. Though. Yeah, because in order to die from this wound, there would be a lot of blood everywhere, right? Like, yeah, and also the screwdriver would have to be a little bit longer. Yeah, a little opinion. bit longer and probably further down there. <laughs> Harpoon, more like. Yeah, I thought you were going to say Harkonnen. <laughs> but uh, Angela's sidekick in this episode is also the a sheriff that she is going to this weird, like, convention, convention award thing with. Um, not a date. Defo, not a date, but, you know, whatever. And so Sheriff's a sidekick. They end up at the diner. The driver is suspicious. They weirdly focus on his name tag. And then through whatever means they realize that this guy is the guy that was murdered. It was in jail for a robbery gone wrong. Uh, he was the only, no, he was, he was one of two out of three accomplices who was arrested for this and just got out of prison for it. Now I, I was immediately thinking, Oh, he like ratted on somebody or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, he, they just didn't tell people where the money was hidden. <laughs> and so the other, one of the, there's a young couple there. The man, the husband is the son of the other accomplice who was who went to prison and I believe died in prison. Um, and so he's like, oh, I, I deserve the money that my dad stole. <laughs> so he's Yeah, because he ruined my life. So I should at least get something yeah. out of it. There's also a sea captain who is secretly actually a the accomplice third accomplice, three, yeah. the third accomplice who never went to prison, who's also trying to figure out where the money is. Um. And that's just a little, that's also weirdly portrayed. And the bus driver's daughter was, was killed, killed. Like, um, in, in, in an accident. <laughs> murder in, during the act. Yeah. So she got killed by accident during all this, like in the crossfire, which is the word I was trying to think of. <laughs> got you. Yeah. She was killed during the crossfire. <laughs> um, and the bus driver was originally got this shift because he figured that the guy would probably be taking the bus away from the prison. And he was going to get, uh, confront him. And he, he just wanted to like, let him know how he's ruined his life. Yep. The bus driver acknowledges stabbing him. Uh, and then is like, you mean I didn't kill him? Oh, cool. Uh, and then it wraps around all the way and you realize the bus driver did kill him. The bus driver strangled him first. Uh, took, took a, took a second, realized, Oh God, what have I done? And then stabbed him so he could be caught stabbing him and then not, be held responsible for strangling him which is a decent strategy but i don't know (laughs) (laughs) didn't work out (laughs) it didn't work out and it didn't make super interesting television either yeah and there's also like an insurance guy there who's like also trying to get the money back and so there's like 10 characters here right and this is where i think that the show starts to fall apart a little bit because there are so many characters i didn't know like any of their names and um i was starting to get confused about who was who because they don't look that different from each other either um and then it's like this dude dies and i'm like okay who was that (laughs) yeah um the insurance dude i think gets shot trying to use the radio that they have because the phone lines are down trying trying to single signal people and i think that was the sea captain i don't remember the accomplice 
shot him. Yeah, it was because then because then the the gun was in the sheriff's pocket where you wouldn't suspect. <laughs> uh, there's a PI apparently. I don't know some. Yeah, like I said, there's like there's a lot 10 of people I don't remember this the place. PI at all. But I also remember, I do remember being like, no need to worry about me. I'm a private investigator. It's like, uh-huh, yeah, sure. <laughs> private investigators have never done anything illegal ever. <laughs> um, I also have in very large letters written down, and I remember the emotion this uh, this evoked for me, but I don't remember the context of it. And uh, excuse me while I adopt a voice to try to get into it. <clears throat> Why not? <laughs> I don't remember, I remember who says that. I remember that was... <laughs> It's the husband of the of uh oh Rue McClanahan. I don't remember if I don't know if that's her exact name. The lady from Golden Girls. I think the uh, first Golden Girl to have shuffled this mortal coil. Oh, I remember what it was. It was, it was um how can you eat at a moment yeah, like yeah, this yeah. or okay. something like that? Why was, not? Why not? <laughs> it's so funny. So iconic. Um <laughs> really funny. It's like that's taking up like half of my page here. <laughs> um so yeah, I mean it, it unfolds rather uninterestingly um the guy who's released from prison turns out has this very rare whodunit mystery or mystery novel that the dust jacket's in all tatters but uh rue rue the golden girl tries to steal the book because she knows how much it's worth because she's a librarian and angela lansbury also knows how much it's worth and that turns out to be where the key for the safe deposit box or whatever where all the goods are hidden is and I don't remember how that turns out either. Yeah, I don't remember. It's pretty unmemorable. Um, yeah. There was kind of a lot of stuff going on, which was nice. But then also at the same time, it felt a little bit like fluff to me. Oh, yeah. Um, Like red herrings, sure. But like also fluff. Um, So I don't know. I didn't really find it that gripping. I didn't think it was a bad episode. I yeah. just, I was surprised that it was considered one of the best ones. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing about, I, I feel like the, the median episode they real they tried to focus on the immediate members of the family, right? And because of that, those characters were at least two dimensional. But instead, with this one, we have like seven potential suspects, right? And it's like, oh, it's a bottle episode because they're there with a murderer, and there's no, there's only one police officer who doesn't have a gun on him or whatever. Oh, um, he, I'm pretty sure he does have a gun. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's only one. There's only one guy uh, there who's to protect us, so we're all we're all in danger. But in order to do that, there's just like a bunch of one dimensional characters. And so there's a thousand ways this could shake out. But the way that regardless of of that, none of them are very interesting. Right. There's not there's not a lot of gripping details. And as soon as you find out that this guy had something to do with robbery, you're like, okay, well, there goes the most interesting piece of this, which is who's there because of that. Right. And it's pretty obvious at that point. The 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 husband from the husband and wife duo who seems to be shaking and can't keep himself composed <laughs> and then like the sea captain because he's sus af and they don't want to focus on him <laughs> yeah and i think that they also had the least interesting outcome yeah where it didn't feel like justice was served right because this um sea cap not sea captain sorry because the bus driver, bus driver yeah. who um whose daughter was killed, right? And that this man showed no remorse that his daughter was accidentally killed during this bank robbery. And then that's why he kills him. And you're like, yeah, you know, like that's like a sympathetic, you know, murderer arc right there. And then like Jessica's like, sucks. (laughs) I have the power to make you not go to jail, but I'm not going to do it because screw you. You killed a man. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that is true. But also... (laughs) Is a sympathetic murderer like a hallmark of... Most murders she wrote. 
that's what it feels like. Yeah. Which feels bad. Yeah. I'm like in Colombo, for example, they're all ah, this'll make me more money. <laughs> effectively, right? Like, ah, I'll be free of free of my bitch wife. <laughs> it's like super villainous. Yeah, it's super villainous, whereas these ones are all like uh, or at least the three that we watched were all like, oh, they're so it's so emotional. You should feel bad for these people, which is like fine, right? You can do that, but I feel like it's a good mix of good to do f- go for a mix of them. Yeah, right? Criminal Minds. It's all oh yeah, nailed these people. Oh yeah, these people are. And they're not one hundred percent wholly at fault, but they're also criminally dangerous. <laughs> yeah, and murdering a lot of people yeah. in very violent ways. Getting, I'm gonna get Matthew Great Googler addicted to heroin. <laughs> yeah. Well, we should get Matthew on this podcast. We should get Matthew. Yeah, weird Zoomer heartthrob. Weird Zoomer heartthrob. Okay, something okay. I'd like to touch on before we move on yeah. is um, the concept of the um, most stolen library oh, yeah. material. Because that comes up in in the episode with the librarian character, Rue from Golden Girls, mentions how Angela Lansbury or Jessica Fletcher's novels are her most stolen item. And Angela, Jessica Fletcher is like, oh, I don't know whether to be complimented or, or, you know, hurt, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And I wanted to touch on this because uh, we know a lot of librarians. <laughs> I used to work at a library. Hank's sister's a My sister and my mother. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're deep in the librarian lore here. Um, so we did some research, right? Um, and based on our research, I wanted to know what the most stolen items nowadays are and public libraries yeah and we got two very different answers so um and a in a in a shocking twist according to my sister at least yeah the most common one to uh pick up from hold or like have a hold try to pick it up or whatever and it not be there are csi dvds and ncis and ncis yeah (laughs) which checks out honestly (laughs) that's probably why it took so long for me to get my um Law and Order DVDs, honestly. Yeah, Evergreen Indiana's inability to comprehend the sheer lengths that people who watch CIS and NCIS are willing to go through in order to get those DVDs. CIS, you mean like the droid? CIS. (laughs) Oh, God, I don't even remember what that stands for. Is it like Confederate? Confederate Independent Systems. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anywho. (laughs) Sorry, just a random Star Wars acronym. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and then... Uh, here in our college town, the most commonly stolen item are um, printer paper. Printer paper. <laughs> not books, not DVDs, just printer paper. Uh, and that checks out from what I know about our area. Just start RFID tagging your printer paper. Yeah. But what Kira said, too, is when she worked in a law library at a college that textbooks were the most stolen item. Yeah. And so, I, you know, apparently it varies. Um, apparently in Cabot Cove, Maine. Uh, Jessica Fletcher novels, so keep that in mind. Next time you go to your local library, um, be on the lookout for um, procedural thieves and also uh, printer paper thieves. Turns out that green wasn't mean enough when it came to stealing textbooks. That's just for you, Kira. (laughs) (laughs) With all that out of the way, we can enter our last minigame. Okay, let's do it. Which is our two truths, one lie episode descriptions. Hell yeah. So I hope you're mentally prepared for this so hyper prepared you would not believe it okay here's our first grouping thursday's child jessica is pulled into a murder investigation by a woman who claims jessica's husband fathered her son 
Nothing ruins a week like Thursday. <laughs> Jessica's new professor job takes a turn for the worst when one of her students is arrested for his father's murder. And lastly, if it's Thursday, it must be Beverly. The night deputy, who has been paying attention to various Cabot Cove ladies, needs Jessica's help when he becomes the prime suspect in his wife's murder. Oh, so infidelis, infidelitress? Uh, Adulteress. Jessica, infidelitress, I'm going to go with that. Uh, Jessica's husband. Mm-hmm. Who's um, dead in yeah. the canon. Or you've got murder your father, or you've got murder your wife. Okay. Well, I don't think that I, it's a good strategy for I'm going to I'm going to think strategically on this level. It's a good strategy for you to go for the husband one, but I'm going to take a gamble and go and move away from that. Monty Hall myself and tell myself to pick another door. So I have a 50-50 shot here. Uh-huh. Um and that 50-50 shot is going to be I'm going to go with the deputy because we established in the episodes that we watched that that her town has a sheriff, <laughs> and I think that's a little out there. The student is is pretty sketchy too. So you are incorrect. It is, in fact, nothing ruins a week like Thursday, which is the student yeah, one is yeah. the one that I made up. She does, in fact, do become a like professor. Okay, in yeah. the later seasons, um, which I figured you wouldn't know, but I Got thought you. I'd throw it in yeah, there. You, I mean, it made sense. It made sense for there to be something of that variety. Honestly, what I should have done is thought that you wouldn't have been able to come up with the student. <laughs> oh well That's what you right. should have thought was i Damn. wouldn't have come up with the absolutely bonkers name if it's thursday it must be beverly <laughs> that's a good point i kind of i kind of erased the names out of my mind because they're just like all thursday yeah but you're right i 100 should have come up with names <laughs> okay next segment okay magnum on ice <laughs> jessica comes to the assistance of magnum when he's framed for two murders Novel connection. Jessica Fletcher helps Magnum investigate an attempt on the life of Higgins and several guests. Writing dot 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 abroad. Jessica's vacation gets complicated when she must seek the help of Magnum to identify a secret impersonator. And just to clarify, it's writing dot 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 a space broad. Okay. Um, Magnum on ice immediately is suspicious to me because it's Hawaii and I don't I usually associate that with like ice rink stuff and I don't know why he would be involved in that um i don't think it's the third one because jessica on vacation makes too much sense for a magnum pi crossover what was the second one again jessica fletcher helps magnum investigate an attempt on the life of higgins and several guests i'm gonna go with that one because i think you went to wherever higgins is from i don't know and just pulled the name to use in that description you were incorrect. higgins is the name of like the guy in magnum pi oh yeah yeah yeah. i I got i got that but i was um, I was guessing that you just pulled it off of the page, right? I mean, I did pull it off the Magnum PI page, but well, I pulled the description off the yeah. Magnum PI page. <laughs> yeah, you took the description with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay. Um, nice writing dot 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 a space broad was the one that I made <laughs> up, which is Jessica's vacation gets complicated when she must seek the help of Magnum to identify a secret impersonator. Vacation makes too much sense. Um, it is. I mean, she. It is literally her vacation. Yeah. Uh, for the crossover episode. Yeah, I'm sure. I just wasn't included. I'm sorry. In uh, was one of those actually a Magnum PI episode? Yeah, this because is that, true. I that did is a Gucci. straight violation of the terms of service <laughs> of this game, ma'am. I think it counts, though. It's included in the complete collection for Murder, She Wrote. I will so. take you to court over that. <laughs> dun, dun. 
Uh, I, I actually got the writing dot 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 abroad name from a Magnum PI episode, which is murder dot 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 abroad, <laughs> which I thought was so funny. So stupid. <laughs> I had to parody that. All right. Give me this last one so I can get it wrong. Okay. Uh, we have um, Joshua Peabody died here dot 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 possibly a cheap tycoon with many enemies is found dead on the construction site of his high rise hotel. Um, two. From Russia, dot, 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 with blood. Jessica is detained in Moscow when a spy attempts to smuggle a film out of the Soviet Union in her handbag. Bond, dot, 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 deadly bond. A visit to the circus turns deadly when a snake charmer is killed by his snakes. But Jessica suspects this accident may actually be murder. All right. Russian circus are the most suspicious to me. So I'm going to money haul myself again. Um... It, the Russia one can't be real. It can't be real. The Russia one is real. <laughs> my my strategy is all messed up. I haven't done one of these in like eight weeks. <laughs> bond dot 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 deadly bond is the one that I made. <sighs> That's such a good name, and it sounds so real. <laughs> you didn't like Joshua Peabody died here. That, dot, a, dot, dot, that was so stupid that I was like Daphne would not write that. <laughs> it was so stupid. I knew I had to include it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I can't believe myself. I've let myself down so so drastically here. Yeah, you've got zero points in this round. For a total of what? Four this episode. I think it might be five this episode. No, four. No, you're right. I, it's four. I, I got like a pseudo kind. I, I gave myself an emotional point. Yeah. <laughs> Which I need need after this stunning loss. So let's move into um, our final evaluations of Murder, She Wrote. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Um, I still feel pretty high, uh, highly about a high eight. I don't know. So I, I, but you know, in the interest of compromise, it's what the foundation of a good marriage is. So my thought process was CSI. We did an eight. Yeah. And that was like, we can't rank it with CSI. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) I would be willing to rank it with CSI, but I still have my rose colored glasses with CSI. (laughs) I hope we caught our dog sneezing there in the background of that. (laughs) I think that I could do a, 8.4. 8.4. 8.4. 8.4. I mean, that's just a compromise between 8 and 8.8. I was hoping I could get you a little bit higher where you want or willing to go, but I'll take an 8.4. 8.4. Jot it down. Circle it. Underline it. Underline it. Underline it. Uh, heart. XOXO. Close the book. That is case closed. XOXO Gossip Girl. XOXO Gossip Girl. <laughs> when are we going to do the Gossip Girl episode? I don't know that they can. Well, I guess maybe it does count maybe as a crime depend, procedural. We have to find the crime episodes of Gossip Girl. Yeah. Um, um, what are we looking at next week? Next week, we've mentioned it a couple times, um, got into it a little bit already, but of course, Columbo, the partner to the the female-led murder she wrote, we have the absolutely dominant presence of Peter Falk and Columbo, which I'm really excited for. So join us in a couple weeks when we get when we get back and handle that. And thank you so much for listening. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, if you're out there, Gary, give me a call. Procedural generation. Procedural generation. Murder. 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 And from the details of this continuing story. Enhanced photos. A spin show. Coerce a perp to confess. Good cop. Bad cop. The spin off. The spin off. New spin off show. New spin off show. Spin off show with Axie Running the print. Murder twist. That cop is tough.
sexy. This has been Procedural Veneration. Thank you for listening. You can find us on Instagram at procedural.veneration or check out our other random projects at www.dank.pizza. And finally, a thank you to Jacob Pertulis for our wonderful theme song. See you next time.